Welcome to the first episode of the Earthy Bee Podcast. I'm Rebecca Kimber, and today I'm talking to my friend Pablo Ferrer. He is a clinical psychologist and meditation teacher. This is a follow-up conversation to an article I wrote about mindfulness based on previous conversations with Pablo. But uh, I guess I'll just start with the question of what does non what does not judging your thoughts what does that mean? Where does that come from? <laughs> Explain. Explain yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how much time do we got? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I um, yeah. So, you know, with, with mindfulness, uh, you know, there's a lot of different definitions of mindfulness. And one of the more kind of popular definitions comes from John Kabat-Zinn, uh, who was the... Um, creator of mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR, um, which was kind of like the medicalization of uh, Buddhist thought, actually. Um, So a lot of these practices have been around in in one form or another for a few thousand years, um, most mainly in um, South Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, and a little in in East Asia. and so kind of the, the, one of the kind of the key ingredients that, that John kind of pointed out in, in mindfulness is, is non-judgment. Okay. And it's a, it's a stance. It's, it's a way to kind of approach um, the, the things that happen in our, in our life. Um, and, it's, and I would say it's, it's not just thoughts. So I, I think about thoughts as like mental activity, things that happen in the brain. Uh, but lots of things happen in the brain. So, you know, our sensory experiences happen in the brain. Uh, our experience of feelings and emotions happens in the brain. Um, you know, kind of the thoughts a lot of times we think about as, you know, the, the words, you know, kind of the, the, the language stream that we kind of have in our, in our head sometimes, like that voice that's telling us, you know, did you remember to get the laundry and did you do this and did you do that? Okay, yeah, um, that's the story yeah. we talked about last time, yeah. create a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for a lot of people, that story is, is verbal, right? There's kind of a narrative that, that's kind of always going. Um, but lots of people have lots of different thoughts. Um, I'm always kind of amazed as a psychologist, like, you know, you kind of you go into this thing thinking like, oh, yeah, all, all brains are the same. Brain's a brain. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's just not. Uh, and people's experience is so varied. You know, like I had a guy who d- didn't have that language stream at all. Um, he's so in his body. Wow. <laughs> he has like, yeah, he's got no language thoughts, right? But he's got lots of thoughts. And for him, it's, it's much more, you know, visceral and in the body and um, kind of sensorial. Uh, and so, you know, memory is in the thoughts and images and all kinds of other experiences that we have. Interesting. So, you know, when I say thoughts, I think sometimes we think, you know, the verbal kind of thoughts, right? Yeah. You and I are both pretty verbal people yeah. <laughs> being on this podcast. So we have, we have a good, we have a good bit of that. Yeah. Um, but it can also just be like, you know, experiences and sensations. And, um, and so in, in mindfulness, what we're asking people to do is to attend to all of that. Um, sometimes you, you pick a, a little slice, you know, you kind of pick a domain, um, whether it's the body or movement or, you know, feelings or, you know, sometimes it's sound. Um, and so we, we focus in on those things as a way to practice. And the practice really comes with like the non-judgment. Okay. So a really common thing that John came up with uh, in MBSR it was, ex- you know, experiencing pain, uh, physical chronic pain in, with non-judgment. 
And so by having, you know, people who like really in a lot of suffering um, and, and in a lot of pain, uh, just to be with it, you know, they were able to recognize that the pain changed and it wasn't just, um, you know, that they were, that they were their, their disease or their condition, um, but that there was this constant changing of their experience and then they can attend to that experience. And that, that, that while sometimes that might get really intense, it, it could also fall away. And that, that's kind of one of the really key things about, you know, when we hold things in a non-judgmental way, we realize that they don't last forever you know, mm-hmm. and that they're all things are impermanent. Yeah. So that's kind of a key, key thing here that uh, kind of a key takeaway is that we do these things to get to that place. And when we get to that place, then calm happens, you know, okay. it's not that we make calm happen. Yeah. <laughs> we can't make calm happen. Exactly. Right? That's it, the thing. Cause when you're in that moment, when you are freaking out, when I am freaking out, um, then it's, that's the thing. That's the time. How do you do it? You know, you can't make calm yeah. happen, right? Yeah. To- just calm down, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, you know that you need to calm down, but you just can't. Sometimes. You can't. Yeah, right. That's right. So then how does yeah. that work? What do you do with your thoughts when you're in that freak out moment? You know, the kids are freaking out and you're late and, you know, you want to yell or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that's happening. What do you do in that moment to you're you're, ask, you're asking me what what you should do well, in that no, moment? I'm just saying what what does one do <laughs> not me yeah. but like what what do you do when you're in that moment to not be judging it because i I know when it comes to non judgment I'm judging myself as I'm freaking out you know right. when you're in that when I'm in that freak out moment where I'm like, everybody do this, do that, blah blah blah, but the voice in my head. That, those are the words going out of my mouth, but the voice in my head is saying, you are not doing this right. This is not the right thing to do. Why are you still, you know, why are you still yelling? Why are you still doing that? But it's hard to, how do, you know, how do you change that conversation, I guess, is the question. Yeah, yeah. Lot, lots of practice um, and lots of kindness. So, you know, I think one of the really critical things is, you know, even experienced meditators get caught up, you know, that, that this is not something that goes away in life. Okay. And yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the thing, right? right? Like, wait, it doesn't just go away, right? Yeah. Right, right. So when we, when we smile at it and we go, oh yeah, I know this one. Yeah. I know this tune, right? And you know, it's like, you got, it's like the, it's like you, you have a radio station with like one, you know, a radio with like one radio station. And it plays that song that you really don't want to hear. Yeah. But you have one radio station. So you just kind of have to wait for it to finish. And the longer that we, you know, hold on to, like, the story that, like, this shouldn't be here or why am I this way, you know, the more that we feed to that, feed into that, right? So it's almost like we, we put the, we hit the repeat button on the, on the tape deck. I'm totally mixing your metaphors here. That's all right. Um, <laughs> you know, so that yeah, we, we can we can keep this thing going. So uh, a, a saying that we love to use is, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Yeah. Right? So that when you know the kids like are driving you nuts, that like that that feeling that emerges is is inevitable. That's going to happen. Yeah. And you know that that's not something to prevent. 
uh, it's, it's something to acknowledge that is part of life. Um, as unpleasant as it can be, like it's, it's kind of the reality. Yeah. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the bad news, right? Yeah. And people with the kind of Buddhism are like, wait, I thought I wasn't supposed to have that anymore. And it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. That is the thing. Bad news is, that is the that's thing how it with, goes. But that is the thing with Buddhism where I think, and you told me this where you're like, no, you have it wrong, Rebecca. Cause I was like, well, I've always thought that you're supposed to just make it go away or that you're supposed to be present in every moment in some way. But I don't know if that's being present or how, how it is, but yeah, that we're all going to yeah. have that freak out moment. We're all going to have a moment where we are just, things aren't all good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the reality is that we're, we're all going to get sick, yep. right? We're all going to lose people that we love. We're all going to have bad luck. You know, we're all going to forget an umbrella. We're all going to, you know, know somebody who gets cancer. Yeah. And we're all going to, and we're all going to die. I mean, I hate to be morbid yeah. about it, but like, yep. that's, that's the inevitability, right? Yeah, that's it. So there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can't avoid. And once we acknowledge that, it really actually can free us up. You know, we can really say like, okay, well, if all this is inevitable, then what's optional? Yeah. And what's, op- what's optional is what we call suffering, right? So pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Okay. And it, the suffering is what we bring to the table, all the extra, you know, I don't want it to be that way. I wish it wasn't that way. If only I waited until this, or if I didn't have cancer, or if, if my mom hadn't died, or if I had just gotten into Harvard, or if I only eat one more cookie, right? Yeah. Like, it's, all, it's all these ifs. And what we're, that's what we mean by living in the present is when we say these things, we take ourselves out of the present moment and then we start living in the future or the past. Yeah. Right. I know I do that for sure. So. And so pain, pain is in the moment. Pain is present. Pain is whatever's here. And sometimes that's things that happen in our lives, circumstances. Sometimes that's the feeling that we have in our body. Right. But those things come and they go. Yeah, exactly. And it's not holding on to it, that that's the story, right? That's the suffering is the holding on to it and creating a longer story than we need to have about it. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So it's been said, uh, and I've heard this repeated a number of times. I haven't looked up the research myself, but it's been said that, you know, a feeling, a singular true feeling lasts about 90 seconds. Okay. (laughs) And for those of us, (laughs) yeah, it's what I said. So for those of us that have experienced, you know, like, months of agony yeah <laughs> we're like yeah that's not that'll buy, i don't buy that shit i, I think <laughs> i don't know if i can swear i don't i don't buy that no you can just edit that part that's out. all right uh, <laughs> you know yeah. but i think what i think what happens is you know there is one feeling but then we have a whole bunch of reactions to that right we say i don't like that yeah. i don't want that there why am i feeling that and every time that we have that experience you know, we have another feeling, right? So I think that's how it gets extended. We just chain it all together. We chain and if you it think all about together, like, but do we chain it all together with our thoughts? Is that with our stories? How are we chaining? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, so uh, it's not always active. I think, and and this is part of where thoughts as a construct kind of for me falls apart a little bit. You know, because we have a lot of thoughts that are we're very aware of that you know we're very conscious thoughts that we're like I am choosing my words right now, right? Like that's a very volitional thing. But there's a lot that happens in our brains that is not in our control. 
you know, uh, cognitive behavioral therapists call it, you know, automatic thoughts, right? And so that story sometimes gets like auto played, you know, on its own without our deciding that we want it there. And we get caught up in that story. And that's, that's normal. That's really very, you know, a very frequent thing that, that I think happens to people because they have, we have these automatic, uh -oh, automatic feelings. Oh, give me the, give it a back up a little bit. Nope. You're good. I lost you for okay. a second. Yeah. So, you know, we have these automatic thoughts, we have these automatic feelings, you know, we have these automatic experiences and they happen so fast. Oftentimes that they're outside of our conscious awareness. Our body is constantly and our brain is constantly, you know, assessing what's happening in the world around us constantly. And so much of it is happening outside of our, our awareness. There's only so much we can attend to at any given point in time. Even the most like fully aware people, right? Mm, okay. Yeah. And, and so all of this kind of can be propagated, you know, very easily. So, you know, it, it seems like this is kind of like bad news, but what this means is that we can, we actually can have a lot of effect on this pattern. And one of the ways that we do that, right, is by paying attention to what the, what the song sounds like, you know, like what does the song that's coming on sound like and, and what are the patterns that frequently come in? Yeah. And then, and then we can start to replace it. Right. So yeah. if the story is I'm not good enough or I'm, you know, I'm bad or I don't belong or something, yeah. you know, we can, we can start to, you know, really address that once we, you know, kind of tap into like, okay, like I'm not a bad person. Uh, I actually really care about a lot of stuff. I mean, the fact that I, I have this guilt and this pain about all this stuff actually demonstrates that I care. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. like, I care a whole lot. Right? I, have, I have yet to meet a truly lazy person. I don't believe that a truly lazy person exists. Yeah. I, I believe that people have lost their way and that they've lost their motivation, you know, because they don't, they don't see another way. But a lot of times when you show them a different way, all of a sudden they wake up and they're fully motivated and they're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a, a Zen Buddhist monk um, from Vietnam, uh, once kind of has a story, you know, that, that if you have a lettuce and the lettuce doesn't grow, you don't blame the lettuce, right? You don't say bad lettuce, right? Yeah. You look, you look at what are the factors that are going into this lettuce growing? You know, is it getting enough sunshine? Is it getting enough water? What kind of soil is it in? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and so in a similar way, we can, we can care for ourselves. You know, we, we do this for our kids, right? Yeah. Like, how do we change their environment? How do we change their school or, you know, figure out what they need? And, and how we address our own needs, I think, is really the antidote. Interesting. Okay. Can you give me an example of that? Something of how we would address our own needs? It's one thing. I understand how we address our children's needs, right? That's... Yeah somebody yeah. else right we deal with other people but sometimes dealing with yourself is a little harder I mean I oh think for that sure I, you know I think that I understand what you mean and I guess for me an example and I don't know if this is right but would be that I know that I get low blood sugar so I'm trying to be conscious of eating more earlier in the day so that I'm not getting so hungry and so that's sort of a way of me dealing with myself but I don't know if that's necessarily the uh the what you're 
you know, what you mean by this. So maybe you could explain a little further on that one. Yeah, let, let's let's take that example. So um, I'm sure you can feel lots of different ways about that, particularly when your blood sugar is low, right? One of the yep. things that, that we know what happens when blood sugar is low is it affects mood. Yeah, um, cranky. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so what's the story? <laughs> what's the story when you're cranky and you haven't eaten? What well, do you say to yourself? That's the thing. Oh, good question. What do I say to myself? I say to myself that I shouldn't be hungry. That's what I say to myself. I shouldn't be hungry. I'm being ridiculous. Which, yeah. you know, really, <laughs> it's probably, again, that's, that's the judgment, right? Where I'm like, well, yeah. I... I already eaten, so I shouldn't have to eat. Why do I have to keep eating all the time? This is so time consuming and I don't want to spend time on this. So then I don't, but I still stay hungry. Right. And you get crankier and then you beat yourself up some more and exactly round, round, round and round the merry round goes, right? It does go around and around. Yes, exactly. But then once I eat and I'm good and I'm full, then I'm much less cranky. Right. So a, a really great thing that you can do, right, to take care of yourself is not just eat, yeah. but to really uh, notice the story. Notice that when, you know, that like, oh, I'm being ridiculous. When that comes up, how do you address that, right? So if a friend was telling you this, Becca, let's, let's, pretend, let's pretend I'm telling you this, right? Oh, I'm, always, I'm being so ridiculous. Like, I don't know why I should eat. What would you tell me? I'd say, well, of course you have to eat because everyone has to eat. Yeah, well, I, I, of course, I eat in the morning, and I, I, I don't want to eat all the time. What would you tell me? Wow. My blood sugar is really low, but you know, I, I should, ju- I should just be able to make it to the next meal. Yeah, exactly. What would, you tell- what would you tell me? Well, if I was, if you were my kid, I would say, well, you need to eat something right now because you're not going to feel good until you do. But I don't sure. know if I was and- my friend that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what would you tell your friend? I don't know what I would tell my friend. <laughs> That's a good question. They're being, they're being really hard on themselves. I mean, the obvious thing is, right, yeah. they need to eat, right? Exactly. That's the obvious thing. I would say but, that you're being too hard on yourself. That's what I would say to a friend is don't be so hard on yourself on that. Right. Yeah. And then what else would you say? And then I'd say allow the space so you can eat. There you go. That's what you tell yourself, too. Yes, that's a good one. Just got to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you know when we when we treat ourselves as 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 a friend right uh yeah it, it makes a big difference it, it puts ourselves in a, in a particular context it puts ourselves in like hey i'm a human too right? yeah. I'm, I'm not some superhuman I'm not, I'm, I'm not some super being that's like able to not eat yeah exactly you know i i, I have low blood sugar sometimes when i don't eat okay so I should take care of this body, right? Yes. I, that's exactly. I mean, I, I know that that sounds simple, but it actually sounds profound when you say it like that, connecting with humanity, because I think so many of us don't do that. I know that I have a hard time with it. So sure. Yeah. That's the thing, connecting with humanity is really, that is the thing. Yeah. I think that's last the time. Last time I checked, Becca, you were a human. I am a human. Yeah, there's we're all humans. That's the thing. And that yeah. goes back to this whole what I'm trying to do with the with this with the podcast and with all those things is just 
you know, if we can all recognize each other's humanity, I think that's always a good, a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this, this compassion towards other people is so important, you know, for change and and for developing understanding and and really addressing what it is people need to hear. Um, But we need to hear that too, right? And I I do really believe strongly that like, it it does start with ourselves, that this self-compassion, this this taking care of ourselves, it, you know, it, it shows people like what they can do, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> I can take care of myself and treat treat myself nicely. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 amazing. That's like exactly. revolutionary. It is, and I think that maybe could, I don't know. So this is a question for you: Is just do you think that that's part of what is happening with all of the? sort of, I don't know, the nastiness in the world or, you know, and I feel like, you know, that I believe that most people, everybody's doing their best and people are good, right? But you see a lot of negative things and, you know, see negative things in print or comments that you hear, things like that. So I kind of wonder, is that sort of a lack, starting from a lack of inner compassion and then also moving outwards you know that we don't have it on the inside so then we also don't have it on the outside does that make sense yeah it does um i don't know i i i think for sure there's not enough self-compassion um i i will say that i do think that compassion and self-compassion are being shown in the research to be independent of each other oh interesting yeah, it is really interesting. Um, it's a little surprising. So yeah, there's, and it makes a lot of sense if you think about some of the people that we know, right? Like people who are so kind to to others, um, and will do anything, you know, for their friend, but you know, maybe don't give themselves the same slack, right? Yeah, exactly. And what <laughs> I don't know anybody other, like that. <laughs> what about in the other direction? Do you think can it be that somebody can be really kind to themselves? but not be kind to others. Yeah. And I, I think with that, mainly what that looks like is indifference. Right. Okay. And I, I think, I think I see that quite a lot. Um, I'll be honest, you know, one of the, my concerns with the way mindfulness is being taught in a lot of different settings is exactly that. And so I think that the lack of awareness of the pain and suffering that's occurring in the world, um, I think is exactly that. I don't think it's true compassion. Um, you know, to not, to, you know, to basically like say like, well, I'm good. I got mine. So, you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm at peace. That is not being awoken. And I think one of the things that I, I frequently say is, you know, if you're really, really practicing mindfulness consistently and well, you are not going to be calm. And I think it will not, it will certainly not all the time. You know, people will say like, oh, I'm afraid of becoming really flat and, you know, really disinterested. I think if people are doing that, they're doing it wrong. Okay. Because it means they're, they're not being really fully aware of what's happening. Because there's a lot of stuff that's happening that's very upsetting. Yeah. And so, you know, mindfulness asks people to consider that. Um, it is not a, it is not a, well, you know, I should just feel good for myself and call it a day. You know, and, and for me... And I'll tell you the real the, the the real big wake up for me was in in Zen Buddhism uh, when I was first introduced to Zen and and first really kind of doing this. 
I, I had this kind of like uh, epiphany for me. And it, you know, it's like one of these things that sounds profound, like to the person who's saying it and really to no one else. But, you know, I had this realization, you know, like we were just talking about that, oh, I am a part of all of this. I am a part of, you know, this whole life. And that what happens to me is what happens to others, you know, that, that we're all in this together. Yeah. And, and being able to really see myself and others, you, you get so flooded with, uh, you know, tremendous amount of awareness of the pain that the others experience. You know, for a long time, I, I thought it was just me. Right? And I was like, oh, no one else knows how I feel. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, now that I've kind of come to this conclusion, I was like, wow, it really breaks my heart that so many people feel what I have felt and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that that's really a big part of what's motivated me to, to become a teacher and to become a psychologist is, you know, like this, this is this is no joke. Yeah, exactly. And you're that's the thing. I mean, that's why I want to talk to you, because you have you really I feel like you are so genuine with this, you know, that this is like a huge part of your life where you really are a teacher. You're a healer. That's I think that that's what you want to do, you know, and I think that's what you can do, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It really, you know, it really, it really matters to me, and I, and I and I care when it matters to other people. So I, re- I really appreciate you doing this too, because I, I I can tell that it matters to you too. It totally, absolutely, it does, and that's the thing. I think that it's great when the, you know, me, I like, I love all of this, but I especially like it when there's some good data behind it, and I know that you always have really good data. So, um, yeah, interesting, good, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, all right. Well, I feel like we could <laughs> end it on that because I feel like I could get into a whole other conversation and Yeah, we should we should save it. We should save it. Let's save this and then publish it and I will send it to you and we will see uh yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. How do you want to how do you want to end it? I don't know. How do you want to end it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, I think, you know, it would be really nice, Becca. Yeah. Would be, I'd, I'd love to hear what your wish is for all of us. Oh, oh, great. You're turning the tables on me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what your wish is for all of us. I, my wish is, well, I have lots of wishes, so that's a really hard one. But I would say that my wish is that we could all be, I don't want to say kinder to each other because that's cliche, but that we could all be more open Mm. and myself included. Absolutely. First me, I need to be more open uh, with my own thoughts and emotions and to be kinder with that. But I think that opening up a little bit, and I know that that's maybe sounds cliche in a world where there's so much openness, where we have all of these, you know, all these podcasts and everybody's talking, but I still think that it's good. And I think that more openness is always better than being more open is better than being closed. And I still think that there's, there's value in, in opening and offering something. Because it's it's vulnerable to open up and to 
have these conversations, you know, and uh, to do the work that you're doing. And I know that you're honest in the work that you're doing. And I think that that's what I would wish for everybody is to feel okay with being open. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's lovely. I love uh, that. Thanks. I, I, I bow to your open heart. Oh, I bow to your open heart. Very nice. Thanks, Becca. Cool. Lovely. Thank you, Pablo. All right. All right. We'll talk soon then. All right. We'll talk soon. I'll send this to you and uh, tell the family I said hello. Yeah, we will do. Okay. I really enjoy talking to you. you we should too. definitely do this again. Yes, let's do it. All right. Uh, take care. Good night. Bye. Bye.